Welcome to the Product Quest podcast. Thank you for joining us on our journey to better understand innovation and product strategy. My name is Jan Wermut and joining me as always, my co-hosts Scott Burleson and Jonathan Edwards. Today, we welcome our very special guest, Jim Kalbach. Anyone in the jobs to be done space by now surely knows his name and work, but it's worth pointing it out again. So he's a noted author, speaker and instructor in design, customer experience and strategy. He's currently chief evangelist at Mural, the leading online whiteboard. He has written, I think, three books, um, Designing Web Navigation. I have to admit, I didn't read that one. The other two I know. (laughs) Mapping Experiences and most recently, The Jobs to be Done Playbook, which I really, really recommend. He's also the co-founder and principal at the Jobs to be Done Toolkit, which is an online resource with training and learnings and a lot of content on Jobs to be Done. Jim blogs at experiencinginformation.com and you can find him on Twitter under at Jim Kalbach. Is that kind of everything to say? Is there anything to add, Jim? No, I think that's good. I actually don't, I realize this, I don't blog much anymore. So you can mention the blog, but it's it's a little dry out there, but yeah, that's okay. fine. So it has more moved to the Jobs to be Done Toolkit. Well, I, I don't blog there either. So it's just, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't been putting out a lot of content recently. Okay. Anyway, thank you for being here. I just want to dive right in. Um, I mean, could we start a little bit? I mean, we've, I've used this word jobs to be done. You mentioned jobs to be done playbook. Of course, you're very well known for that. But when and how did you discover jobs to be done? And what, what is it to you? Sure. So my background is in design and human-centered design and innovation. I, work, I worked in a lot of uh, UX teams, um, a little bit more on the, the upfront side of things, you know, re- research and things like that. And it was 2003, I read uh, Tony Olwick's article, Turn Customer Input into Innovation. Um, and it struck me then, you know, having been steeped in human-centered design techniques that here, coming from the world of business, from business leaders, is this field and, and perspective called jobs to be done. And I was immediately attracted to it and thought that it could help me in, in my work and help me um, talk to other stakeholders and teammates uh, that, I was, that I was dealing with and to leverage it. And I, I slowly, very slowly started to integrate just parts of it. Like I didn't, I didn't read that article and then run a full ODI project. You know, I just, oh, wait a minute, an outcome is this. And I, you know, thought about things a little bit differently. And then over, over was so coming up on two decades now since I read that article, been using and trying out different ways of, of thinking about and using jobs to be done. And that's what led, led to the book was my experience and a lot of mistakes that I made. Um, I tried, I mean, the book, uh, you know, the reason why I picked out some of those plays in the playbook is because I made mistakes yeah. with them and I didn't want other people to make those same mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it goes to show, I mean, if you read the playbook, if you have a look at it, it's, it's kind of reflects the way you're talking now. So it's kind of, if you are in situation X, then why not use that kind of framework or tool or aspect of jobs to be done? And, and if you're in a different context or situation, right. why not use something else? So I think that is kind of, is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I see jobs to be done as a perspective and a way of seeing. Some people want it to be a methodology, and then they go mm-hmm. out and Google it, and they find there's a couple of different approaches to it, right? And it's like, well, there's yeah. is that it? Is that what jobs to be done is? And for me, it's not. It's not a meat grinder. It's not. It's not just one method. That it's it's a perspective. It's a way of seeing. And over the past 
you know, almost two decades, I had come across all these articles and different ways that people were using them, uh, using jobs to be done. And the book is really an homage to all those people who came before me. <laughs> in fact, if you look in the book, there's nothing original in the book. Like I don't, I, I didn't invent job maps. I didn't invent job stories. I didn't, you know, and, and I put all the references in there. So basically yeah. I wanted it to be a hub and spoke and say, jobs to be done is this broad field. It's been around for several decades and here are all the cool things you can do with it. And I'll give you a, a, a you know, a starting point, but go off and, and try it yourself. Go off and learn more from all these other great thinkers out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very visible that you kind of connect all of the different different studs. I mean, what do you say to somebody who is actually in that situation? They start around and Google jobs to be done, and then there's a thousand different blogs and articles. I don't know. How, what's it, the recommendation? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It worries me. It worries me a lot. And and I deal, you know, particularly with the jobs to be done toolkit. We do education, and and I'm doing outreach to folks who raise their hand and say I'm interested in jobs to be done, and I can see they're confused um, yeah. because it is it is a confusing landscape out there. And that's what I that's what I was striving to do with the book was to hopefully provide some clarity there. But it's it still worries me a little bit. Um, you know, even my own perspective, which I just um, described to you as, you know, jobs to be done is a way of thinking. It's a framework. It's not a process. Mm. One, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, which for me, I like fields and frameworks like that because I, I want to be influenced. And I always, I always run projects the way that I want to run them. Like I never, I never follow yeah. a recipe book. So for me, that was great, but not everybody can operate that way. It, it's kind of like walking on a high rope without a net, you know what I mean? So people need more of a net. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I worry about that because I do think the, the field of jobs to be done, um, it can get people out on a limb and it can, it can feel risky because they don't know yeah. it's un uncertain and they're not sure. And then there's no steps, you know, after, you know, even if you read my book, yeah. it's like, well, what do I do now? I brought this all to my stakeholders and they didn't like it or what, what do I do now? So there's a lot of practical things that I worry about setting people up for failure. Well, I don't think so. I mean, you're, you're really out there and, 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 and educating and, and kind of evangelizing. I don't know how, how you can say that, but you're really out there really trying to fish them all in and, and, and try to get them to, a, to an understanding. I, I, well, and that's what I spent, you know, the past five or before I wrote the book, I had been doing a workshop uh, mm -hmm. on jobs to be done. And really what I was trying to do there was learn how to talk about jobs to be done and listen to the questions that people had, right? So I, I tried to be as proactive as possible in the book. But uh, then, I, then I launched the book and I realized that it wasn't enough, that it was even... You know, for all the clarity that you might find in the jobs to be done playbook, there's still mm. lots of open ends and questions. Um, and if I were to rewrite that again, I would there there's a lot of things I would include and even rephrase or recalibrate because I've learned a lot in the past two years since the book came out on how to yeah. speak about jobs to be done. The other thing I would have done was included Scott's book in there, but it, I don't think it was out yet. Um, but that's one of my favorite my, one of my favorite books on jobs to be done is the statue in the stone. Yeah, I, I think we have never mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's the book that kind of is the reason why we're sitting here. So anyway. <laughs> well, it's sort of funny about the, it's like all of us, actually all four of us, I believe, connected on Twitter initially, which is sort of a funny, uh, it's just yeah. a funny way, funny way to, um, right. to meet people that you actually develop relationships with. It's sort of a funny, funny commentary on our, on our era. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of, 
get a little bit into two things that you mentioned, Jim, which, which I think they all kind of connect to, to, to what we've been talking about. So a lot of what you've been speaking about is about language. So on the one hand, like jobs done really provides a language you said to speak to other functions within a company yeah. it kind of, it, it has a great advantage, I think, which is that probably connects to why it disperses so quickly throughout the internet and every, everybody can speak about it. Right. And, and, and it also has this power to connect. So, right. so I want to just, uh, why is that? Where does this come from? Why is, why is jobs to be done so good at, 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 or such a good language to, to kind of make these connections? Yeah, um, I, I think because it is solution agnostic. I, I mean, and that's, that's kind of the power of jobs to be done. And, you know, the principles behind the theory, why it works the way that it works is because you're, you're being solution agnostic, right? And that helps you then switch your perspective because it is a switch in perspective. Hey, look, yeah. let's look, let's, let's look at things from, from a completely different perspective. Sometimes I call it an out of body experience. Yeah. Like you're working in a company <laughs> for a brand and like you float out of your body and you look back down on it and then you come back in your body. It's not, you don't, you don't stay out there. You come back in. No worries here. You know, we're not asking you to change fundamentally forever. Yeah. It's just float out of your body, look back in, cause you're going to see things from a, in, in a different light. Right. And uh, so I think that's really powerful. And that's reflected in the actual language of jobs to be done. And one of the things that I, I learned when teaching jobs to be done over the past uh, couple of years is that I focus a lot on the language. Sometimes if you take my course, you're like, why is Jim worried about the verbs that you're using for steps and things like that? And it's like, well, that's where if you don't get that right, you don't get the solution agnostic and you don't get the perspective shift. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, so, so to your other question, though, I think then what you end up with is an artifact that's not owned by any one discipline. It's not a marketing customer journey map showing the top of the funnel, right? And then the engineer mm -hmm. says, yeah, but that I don't, I can't relate to that or vice versa. It's not a, uh, it's not a user story map where marketing people don't see what, it's something that kind of stands in the middle. And what I find is that people approaching jobs to be done from their own disciplines can see themselves in it right yeah so you know when i'm okay. just using a job map as an example a marketing person is going to see a job map differently than an engineer will but they're looking at the same thing you, you know what i mean yeah. and, and for that reason i think jobs to be done has kind of a a multiplicity of of functions it, it's it's a research framework it's a way to help focus and prioritize but it's a collaboration tool as well too Right. And, and the connection that you said, I think for me is almost more important than, you know, the, the results that you get from a study. It's like, OK, you can get those results, but are the teams who have to execute against that or decide against that for funding or whatever? Are they aligned? Are their hearts and minds aligned? Right. So yeah. the, 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 the solution agnostic nature and the language that's in jobs to be done for me is feels way more universal than other frameworks. And that's why you can pull people in and they can see themselves in the work. Yeah, 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 I think I complete. I, yeah, that's totally true. I mean, it's also in, in a way, I mean, you could almost from from a very distance, you could always say, well, but the language is so plain. Yeah, right. I mean, a job is just to get from A to B. I mean, that's right. very abstract, but to get from A to B or I don't know, to uh, prepare a hot beverage in the morning or, right. so, or right. something right. like that. But that's so on the one hand, it's such a simple language, but I think it's this, this, this strictness on staying simple and, and that actually that, that, that opens up opens it up to everybody. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And, you know, there's a lot of hype around jobs to be done and people have a lot of expectations for it. And then you might show them, you know, a simple job and map it out and find outcomes and emotions around it. And, and their answer is, yeah, no, duh. 
That's obvious. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a good thing though. You know, th that obviousness right. of the result is actually good. And I think that's the relatability of jobs to be done is because it mm -hmm. is prepare hot beverage in the morning. What do you do before, during, and after? Okay. Okay. I got it. Yep. Okay. But did you yeah. know that before or were your, talk were your teams talking about the same thing before? And the yeah. answer there is often no. <laughs> Yeah. We, had three, we had three different impressions what preparing a hot bread beverage was. And you put it out there and it looks obvious, but what's not obvious is the aligning effect, the power that that has to, to align everybody. That's not obvious. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. And I think, I, I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but the alignment is one of the key issues in companies today. I mean, <laughs> it, it, at least that is my experience so teams or different yeah. teams to just to get them into one room i mean or even if it's digitally yeah. but get them into one room that yeah. is kind of a challenge in itself and then getting totally. them to speak the same language and, and then kind of look at the same thing yeah. it's not yeah. easy Co know. companies don't lack ideas on what to do whether it's strategy or bugs in a software or marketing campaigns or you know sales leads there, there's no lack of things out there to do the the, the problem is focus and prioritizing yeah. that what where, where are we actually going to place our bets yes. right and sometimes the rationale for that bet is finance we can't afford it or we, we can't afford it or it's technology you know we're building on this platform of what jobs to be done says is no make the make the rationale for your focus make that customer centric human centric right yeah. That you, yeah. you, your team should be rallying around what your, OKRs, uh, what your OKRs are for the next quarter based on customer input, right? Yeah, yeah. I like this kind of this almost slip in language that you had there where you said customer centric and then you were, oh, oh, oh human centric. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you elaborate that? But because I think it's important. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah, you'll notice in the book, I went through all kinds of contortions and gyrations <laughs> in my book to avoid the word user and to avoid yeah. the word customer. And I think yeah. I did that in a couple of situations where it made sense, but otherwise I talk about individuals, I talk about people, yeah. I talk about humans. And I think by, uh, by, by using, by, by, by us and me and, and, and others in the field using language like that, it reinforces the perspective shift, right? Yeah. And even something as, as harmless as a customer journey map, right? I wrote a book about customer journey maps, but that comes with so much bias. Because what you're saying, what you're admitting up front is we're going to look at the people that we serve as customers. We're, we're literally seeing it's a, in the title of the thing. It's a customer journey map. You're seeing that, that person across from you as a customer or user experience. You're seeing them as a user. And I think saying, no, they're individuals, they're humans, they're people. It, that, that's how you get that agnostic effect, right? Yeah. That you're really yeah. looking at making a hot beverage in the morning, right? Or whatever it might be, scheduling a physical examination, like whatever that job might be, you're not yeah. looking at it through the lens of a product solution or brand, right? And by saying customer or user, you, you almost automatically do that because you're seeing yeah. them as a customer, you're seeing them as a user. So I've been talking about human-centered uh, business because human-centered design is not enough. It's not enough that we do human-centered design. The whole business has to be human-centered. Mm. And I have an article out there it's called human-centered business. Yeah, <laughs> right? and, and really, uh, and a very, very uh, um, intentional use of the word "human" there. Um, so I'm glad you called it out, Jan, because I do have an yeah. opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's no. That's why I, 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 of course, I know the article, and I think <laughs> you, you really have a point there. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, somehow cu customer is is already introduces a certain kind of hierarchy and you know, a certain right. kind of distance. 
which which doesn't have to be there. I mean, sometimes it makes sense to call people customers, but let's not start with that and bring all the buyers that we already have right. in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. don't get me wrong, customer journey map is a great view to have for a company. You want to optimize your the customer journey, right? You want to make yeah. it easier for people to to consume your solution. Um, that that that's a that's a source of growth as well too, right? So I'm not saying don't do customer journey maps. I'm just saying let's be very clear that these are highly biased, egotistical um, uh, artifacts, yeah. right? And it makes the assumption that the human being or the individual that you're serving even needs your stupid solution. They might not, <laughs> right? But you're making that assumption before you even go out there. They are a customer of mine. They need yeah. my solution, and at the end, they're going to give me a good NPS score. Well, yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's egotistical, right? Yeah. So it's fine because right? you get it. You leave your body, but you have to come back. That's fine. We, we all have bodies that we inhabit, which is great. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but let's recognize it for what it is. Right. Yeah. And there's customer yeah. centricity and human centricity. And those are two different things. I think it was I, Scott, I think you mentioned this where you say, well, at least once I remember when I had a discussion where you said jobs to be done describes the true relationship between a customer and the company because it could very well right. be the way you're describing it, that there right. is no relationship at all i right. mean that i might be putting out a solution out there into the market but there are people and there there are people in the world that get the same job done with a solution right. that has nothing to do with whatever i'm providing right yeah. yeah there is there is a convenience for using words that other people will understand right and yeah. and all the gyrations and contortions that i talked about by me avoiding those words mm -hmm. um you you know you end up with phrases like the people that you serve you know, yeah. so you could have you yeah. could have said the people that you serve instead of customers, right? Yeah. But you might not serve them, so even the people that you serve is wrong, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's where you end up with human. But sometimes it's not; it, it doesn't. Sometimes it's too abstract to say humans. You know, yeah. there are humans out there that have jobs, and then you're sitting there and you're the owner of a business. And you're like, I don't care about it. I only care about my customers. And it's like, well, hey, well, that's fine too to have that perspective. So we do use the word customer, right? Mm. Uh, in fact, the article that I mentioned turned customer input into in innovation. It assumes that they're customers, yeah. but they might not be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jonathan, you want to yeah, go on. I mean, I, I just wanted to uh, put a little caveat in there saying that, uh, especially when you're dealing with uh, more complex situations, typically in B2B, it's obviously important to maybe distinguish who the human is that you're actually uh, uh, discussing. So are we talking about the let's say the user or yeah. of the of the product are we talking about the buyer are we talking etc cetera, etc cetera, different right. stakeholders who will uh, play a role in acquiring your product or service yes no i'm glad you made that point too actually because i talk about identifying what i call the job performer and in b2c situations it's often easier because the consumer and the buyer are one person but when you get into the b2b world you have to map out your stakeholders because the yeah. buyers and the installers and the trainers and all the other people around it um, uh, are, are kind of stand in what I call the value chain. So uh, as an innovation provider, there's this value chain of how value flows and it flows downstream, right? And then the conclusion of this talk, I say, and then there's the end user. And I say the word user, mm. right? Because ultimately we're in the innovation business and we're going to have something that people adopt, or, and you know, yeah. what, what do you call that per the adopting population? No, it's the end user. You know, <laughs> I don't say the adopting trend, population. Yeah. I say the end user. And what, and the point I make is that jobs we done start, it, it looks at the, 
it looks at the value stream in reverse order, right? So you start at the end and you work back towards the purchase decision, right? And Jonathan, I use the word end user when I give that talk because I don't have a better way to describe that, that the yeah. end of that chain, you know? So we do yeah. use these words, but I like to try to avoid them and correct myself like I just did before. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is, I think language is always going to change. I mean, but can we get maybe into, I want to go into a little bit of a different, different, part as or in addition to what maybe helps to connect so i think language is a very important part it's kind of that plays a role and we should always kind of be thinking about it yeah there is another thing and and in mapping experiences uh, you write a beautiful sentence um i just picked it out there you, you write there visualizations are a key device to break down siloed thinking so i kind of want yeah. to get into a little bit into visualization yeah, what yeah. does that play a role how does it relate to jobs to be done because i know you're yeah. very i mean we talk a lot about language now but you're right. a very visual thinker right. or, or right. doer actually yeah yeah um no absolutely um and i think a lot of a lot of that the feeling behind that quote that you just read was a lot of my experience working in design teams which is you know, the, the design is like 50% like design craft and 50% having conversations with other people. I, I call design a full contact sport because anybody, with, <laughs> if you're a designer, anybody with two eyeballs can, can look at your work and has an opinion about your work, right? So a lot of what designers do is they're going out and trying to harmonize perspectives in the world because they get handed requirements and then the engineers have a perspective and marketing legal comes in and then the product owners and then the user, you know, the end, end users have their opinion. So a lot of it is, is this harmonization. So I, I think a lot of what the design work that I had done in the past was around facilitating conversations, right? Mm. It was literally, hey, I have this idea and we have evidence that this is the right idea. I got to get all these other people to, to kind of see that. Because I, I was in a privileged position, and I think a lot of designers and researchers are in that I had I had contact with our market, right? There's a lot of people in an organization that don't oh, yeah. talk to people in their markets ever, like yeah. most people in the organization. So I felt it was incumbent on me to retell that story back to the organization, right? Because I had sat right next to users in their place of work and, and saw them struggling or heard what their pain points were with and without our product, right? And I just mm -hmm. wanted to retell those stories. So I could come back and write a 50-page report of everything yeah. that I did. But what happens to 50-page reports when you send it around to a team, right? Yeah. Um, they don't. Everybody sits down. Takes <laughs> yeah, right. They, read they all read it, <laughs> underline it with their highlighters. Exactly. And send, me, send me a critique back. Right? That's exactly what happened. That, I think that's what people do, too, as well. <laughs> no, they delete the email. You, like, the subject line on the email has got to be good before <laughs> they even open it. And if they do open it, do they... Do they connect what's on page two with what's on page 27? Are they seeing cause and effect? Right. So what I discovered was, um, and not, not only through my own work, this was through scanning what was kind of going on, that there is this whole class of, of, of activity around mapping and creating visual diagrams, service blueprints, customer journey, workflow diagrams, uh, the, the list goes, uh, mental model diagrams from Indy Young, all yeah. these things. And for me, they were, they were, they were conversation tools. It was something that you, you don't make a visualization to create a map, because if you do that, you have wallpaper, you need to activate it and you need to say, yeah. okay, we're going to have a workshop or an exercise, or we're going to analyze this. We're going to, it's a diagnostic tool. And if you don't do the di diagnosing as a group of people, then it provides no value back to you. But the visual nature of things, um, it, 
it, it compresses information so that you don't have 50 pages, you have one page and you can see cause and effect on the same page. And it's also mm. compelling that I've had, I've had people, you know, I, I put a diagram on a wall, like literally physical wall and people walk over to it and say, tell me more, right? People don't walk over to a 50 page yeah. report and say, tell me more. You, you missed yeah. something, Jim, right? So it's this lean in effect that I think visual tools have for us. And yeah. uh, when you're talking about experience, which is what I wrote the, my last book on, um, uh, you know, mapping it out was a great way to take a big fuzzy concept and make it visual. Now within jobs to be done, um, there's this thing called the job map, um, mm. which, which I, if you look at examples of job maps, I, I, I want to try to make that more of a conversation tool. And I, I actually have a way that I like to do job maps because you want to also facilitate a conversation using that thing. Right. And, yeah. and I have specific ways that I do that. Um, so we, I, I would yeah. love to get a little bit into that because, right. because I mean, I think even the, the job map itself has different applications and I love that you're using it to to have the right kinds of, of it's this conversation, the right, the right say, kind of conversation. Can you, yeah. can you tell us a little bit how that works? I mean, yeah, sure. Um, so there's a couple of things that I do um, to maintain the solution agnostic vibe and atmosphere in the room. The first thing I like to do is walk through the job map and very often having somebody else like read it uh, or somebody else, you know, analyzing it. So it's not just me walking through it. So they have to stand up or lean into the Zoom call and actually engage and read with read it. So the first thing I do is you put it out there and say, do we understand getting that job done together? Is, and I'll even ask, is there anything I missed? Right? Is there anything you disagree with, right? So open up the conversation about getting the job done. And I found nothing better than a job a map to do that. Because you get the beginning, middle, and end, right? You don't get all the, you don't necessarily get all the outcomes and emotions and the circumstances, but you get that scaffolding of your innovation space. You've mapped out your innovation space and you have the wireframe of that innovation space based on the job map. So I think it's a really great conversation tool. It's also very chronological and, and it's, it tells yeah. a little story, right? You, you want to prepare yeah. a hot beverage in the morning. There's a before, during, and after, and you get, you get that story, right? So there's a little bit of narrative storytelling that I think makes that conversation just slightly more immersive um, mm. simply by putting that out there. Then what I like to do is then compare something to that job map. And it's usually your own solution. Could also be competitors. Um, and to do that, oh. not, not in a scientific way, but it's just have a discussion. Uh, and the question that, I, that I've had a lot of traction with is, Go through each of the columns because I like to do job maps in columns and I'll actually have what I call stages and steps. So I have a, a stage okay. and then a couple of steps and I'll go stage by stage and say, how well do we perform in supporting the job performer at that stage? So you think of your own solution. Yeah. Stage one, two, three. And then people give school grades. I do it with the school grades. It seems to me it's, it's like a mix of the customer journey map yeah uh kind of approach with uh, the job map so but you have yes this... yes and it's not a customer journey though because a customer journey yeah. is how do people become aware of us how why do they decide to purchase us and uh why do they stay loyal to us those are the three telltale signs of the customer journey yeah. map, by the way um in this it's how do i how do i turn on the hot pot to make water in the morning you know it's it or not even hot how do i warm up water whatever you're doing right so it's yeah. a completely different perspective and i actually did this exercise once jonathan and i had to explain that to the stakeholder i had to say this isn't a customer journey map because it's not how people come to us and use us this is just what they're doing independent of us and he stopped and he said i've never thought about it that way 
before, right? And then we went into the discussion of understanding the map and then you compare. You need to do that in two steps though, understand it and compare it. But, uh, and this is the perspective shift that, that, I, that I think is, is important. So yeah, it resembles a customer journey map and you're actually gonna get a lot of that confusion so I, mm. I, you have to explain that it's not, but the activity is very, very much like what I talk about in mapping experiences in that book there. Mm. So are the stages sort of like high level, like, like high level, yeah. uh, maybe you can explain that a little more. Well, so there's this concept of a universal job map, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Scott, right? Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, define, uh, locate, gather, confirm, right? Execute, yeah. It's, it's that, but you relabel it to make it relevant to your, to your uh, field that you're in, right? So okay. if you're preparing a cup of water, right, you might, you might not say define, you might say, I don't know, there might be a better word for preparing a hot beverage in the morning. Uh, low, you know, so I, I use the, I use a, yeah. it's a similar framework. So what you tend to end up with job maps, it, it, the way that I think about stages and steps, you tend to end up with seven to nine stages. Uh, and guess what? Okay. There's eight stages yeah. in the universal job map. So it kind of looks like those universal stages, but then you relabel them to be yeah. specific to your domain. Because yeah. I find things like confirm and locate, locate, what do you mean, Jim? It's like, right. well, prepare or set up. I, I Often you'll see like plan, yeah. uh, prepare, set up, uh, and then, you know, and then make your hot beverage or whatever, whatever those labels are. And then there'll be a stack of steps underneath it two to four steps underneath that. Um, yeah. The reason the reason why I like to do it that way is because I know I can facilitate a sequenced conversation with my team and say, we're going to take each one of those columns and we're going to talk about it phase by phase and grade mm. ourselves. And mm. we're going to give a score on how well we do. And then what you get is, it's not scientific. It's just the team's impression of where they're, where they think their problem is. And then you can yeah. dive into that column and go into, into more detail there as well, too. So the reason why I like to do that is because I can facilitate better conversations with that style of job map. That's so interesting. What, what are they scoring? Are they scoring how well they're able to do? How well their solution supports the job performer at each one of those stages. How well do we help people prepare making a hot beverage? How well do we help people set up a hot beverage? How well do we help people follow up or conclude making a hot beverage in the morning? Yeah. Right? What I love so much about <laughs> what you just described is, is is it seems like it, for everybody that ends up at jobs to be done as seeing the value of it it's like you have this other experience prior to that and you brought this other deep expertise and you right. and you really added to you've really added to um to what jobs to be done is and i think i think that's i just i think that's pretty awesome i um I'm gonna have to ask you more about these stages later, but I think <laughs> now when even the grading of it, that's something I'd never, it was just part of like a, a, um, yeah. like a framing exercise early on in a project sort of determine where you yeah. want to innovate. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah, exactly. Like I said, you know, people don't lack ideas, uh, yeah. in an organization, developers don't lack bugs to fix marketing, uh, programs yeah. don't lack targets to, you know, to address the question is where are you going to focus? And by having that conversation, you get the hearts and minds of 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 people right because they were there they participate and they they feel ownership right and yeah. you know i've done it the other way where you might do a prioritization and then say here are your top met, unmet needs and you present it to people but that's a lean back experience and you don't get you don't necessarily get buy-in and ownership there yeah. um not from the collaborative 
uh, connected. You mentioned the word connected, Jan. Like you, you, yeah. people, people, you got to get the light bulbs going. So I, I see jobs to be done as a collaboration tool to help people get the light bulbs going in their minds. Definitely. Absolutely. And so this, this grading uh, of the different stages, you do this internally with the, it, it, you're not going out to humans uh, to, uh, to, it's really kind of an internal. You, you, you could exercise. do that. And as, as you guys know, there are more scientific ways to survey people on steps and outcomes and things like that, uh, which you could combine. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of teams who are, who are like, I have, it's not that they have like little resource and money. They like, I have no money and no resources. Yeah. No, <laughs> what can I do? And I'm like, yeah. create a job map and bring it into your team and have a discussion yeah. on it because it's really yeah. low budget. And the, the, the bang for the buck is, is, is huge in terms of the, yeah. the, the team, the connection that you get with yeah. the team, bring, bring, yeah. bringing your work to them, right? Usually in jobs to be done, we will grade the satisfaction and importance, right. the opportunity, let's say, of the desired outcomes or the, the needs. But here you're, you're, you're kind of giving a grade, an overall grade to the uh, stage, which is basically right. age of step in uh Correct. in the job map it's, a, it's like a meta step yeah and, okay, and the it. only reason you do that is so you can have a more focused conversation yeah okay. right uh so okay let's talk about setting up you know for to get this job and why did everybody say we suck right there yeah and then you hear all these ration you hear all these things that you don't hear otherwise so the conversation is new and different right okay well, now what are we going to do about that next quarter right and then you come up and then you, you know so it, it, it's really just a focusing effect right it's not scientific and makes you, sense you can call me out on that and say yeah but jim that's not what your customers <laughs> are saying right so yeah. um yes <laughs> Um, yes, but <laughs> sometimes uh, you don't have the bandwidth or the runway to be able to do anything more scientific or rigorous. A huge right? point. Yeah. yeah, I want to build on that. A huge point you mentioned is a lot of teams don't have the resources, time, and um, maybe a, a, an old school purist, let's say, would say we well, have to do all this quant, or sorry, yeah. qual with this number, and you have to do surveys. Etc. So, and but then yet for years, there certainly have been voice of the customer uh, practitioners that have been quite comfortable just qualitative methods only. How does how does this different yeah. level of rigor fall into um, sort of your approach? I see it. I see it as a scale, and and that's why I was trying to mm. position jobs to be done as a way of thinking. And there's a range of techniques out there. I call them plays in my playbook, and you can adopt that way of thinking just by doing one of them. <laughs> Uh, you can put them together and make a whole recipe. You can do a full-on proper jobs to be done project as well too. So it's a range of things that you can do. Because um, <clears throat> what I found a lot of people coming into the field and they're like, I can't, I can't do that. Like it's it's too big, and yeah. they they might not need that either. To be honest with you as well too. It's kind of like you don't need a 747 to go around the corner and buy some milk. You know <laughs> that does, you know you know what I mean. I just need a skateboard, yeah. Scott, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's well, yeah, yeah, jobs to be done does skateboarding too, you know, and yeah. you can, okay, let's just, let's just do this little out-of-body experience for two hours and with a job map and come back as a team. Does that help? I found that helps a lot, actually. Yeah. It also helps, by the way, it also helps set up those as well, too, because then you get people saying, oh, can we do more of this? Or, hey, Jim, that was great, but it was very qualitative, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Say, I'm glad you asked. Yes. I know how to put more rigor into it. Do, would you? Would you fund that? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I think it's 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 very close. I mean, even if you, I don't know, it, it would be nice to see a little bit who is actually attending then your courses and so on. Because I think 
we, yeah. often when we talk to startups, they are they have exactly this this issue. I mean, they somehow get drawn to the method and they see the value of it and they immediately kind of realize there is something in there. And then, okay, but I can't stop for three months. Right. I don't yeah. have the. I mean, and I don't have hundred three months for a startup. Yeah, is you're right. dead afterwards. Exactly. I mean, exactly. and then just, let's. Yeah. How can we just get started? How just exactly. we can get yeah. started and, and take baby steps because they are already they're already extremely valuable. I mean, right. yeah. they can they can yeah okay they can open yeah. up. As you said, or what was it? The light, light, the, the light bulb. Um, yeah, to get the light bulb going on. You effect. want those ahas to, to click as well too. And that, I think that's as important as the rigor in the research. I'm not saying don't do the rigorous research. That yeah. that's great too. But sometimes you need to take baby steps to be able to get the permission to do that, or the runway yeah. to be able to do that too. That's why I love your spin your spin cycle over at Venbridge so much because yeah, that that's the collaboration. That's the team. That's the teamwork part of it. That's yeah. jobs to be done as a collaboration tool. I think that's really, I mean, that's why I was extremely drawn to your book. You're showing how it can bring people together. Right. And, and, and what we're trying to do, I mean, jobs to be done is also just a tool. Let's be, right. I mean, yeah. as it's a means job, to an end. It's and a you should be right. yeah. aware. Exactly. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah. just one of the solutions, but right. it's one of yeah. the best that I've found. So, right. but Agreed. it's really, it has this effect. I mean, as you said it before, you can bring them in into a framing phase and just have a, a workshop and everybody can participate. And suddenly engineers and marketing sit right. at the same, same room and they don't, and because usually they have the feeling that nobody understands, an engineer has the idea and probably they're right. Nobody understands what they're actually doing, yeah. but so does marketing. And so, right. the, so agree. but, agree. but yeah. a workshop yeah. like that can yeah. really bring them together. I, I agree. And then later on in the spin, what we call spin phase. So it is really about working with the results. I mean, you found something out and now how do you, how do you actually get people to do something with it? Because right. Very often in our experience, we, we, I mean, you bring, you do a whole project, you do even the quant and you bring it into the organization and everybody says, okay, thank you. And right. nothing happens. And that's and, just. And yeah. back to Jonathan's point that, that that's what I learned from mapping experiences, customer journey maps, experience maps, because I would always associate those projects with a workshop. If somebody said, Hey, Jim, we want to do an experience map. I say, great. We're going to do a workshop in a month because I knew, I know that you have to, you have to work with the, it's, it's not the deliverable, right? It's not the map, it's the mapping, it's the verb. It's not the noun, it's the verb kind mm. of thing. So then when I, when I, when I started to upgrade my, my use of jobs to be done, I, I kind of I ca carried that thinking over and, and really saw uh, the, the method, the approaches, the activities as, as communi communication tools. And I can't tell you how many times when I did mapping workshops, for instance, it was the first time that the marketing person and the engineer were even in the same room. I was the cause yeah. of that because I brought them together for that. Yeah. So it's the catalyst for those, those level conversations in your organizations. As you say, uh, I think a great benefit is just getting people uh, aligned and, and talking, using the same terminology, right. understanding each other and, and looking at the same, the right. same things. And I, I think that that is a very uh, powerful aspect. One of my personal measures of success in the roles that I've been in in the past is when another stakeholder uses my words or my slide in their presentation, right? And very often <laughs> yeah. without any attribution, right? So I'll see a persona or some statement or something like, and it's like, and they, and they, you know, they present it as a matter of the fact and as their own. And I'm like, yes, I won. <laughs> And then, you know, six months later, a year later, you see your stuff in other people's slides, like you win at that point in time when that happens, right? Yeah. It's not an insult, 
that that's a that's a KPI. Right? I had a question for you because I know you're a jazz musician. Yes. You, you play bass, yeah, and uh, yeah, I can see it there. I was thinking as we're talking about this and alignment and everything. <clears throat> Uh, do, do you see any parallels in the way you play jazz and uh, or let's say jazz in general and, yeah. and how you would approach design and innovation and yeah, do, do, you, yeah. do you bring some things from one to yeah. the, the other? Um, I, I do. I mean, it's, it's in my mind, it all makes sense, right? It's like, it's me. But a lot of people <laughs> ask that question because like, how did you get from music to this? Uh, I do see. I do see some similarities. I think I tend to be on the more generative side of things. So up, up like I, I'm a creator, right? And you know, how, how do you fill a blank page of music with notes if you're writing a song? Mm -hmm. How do you improvise a jazz song? You know that you don't know where it's going to begin or end. And so it's just that mindset of I want I want to create something. So for me, and I think that's part of the reason why I see um, jobs to be done as a collaboration tool, because I'm not I'm not looking at jobs to be done as a scientific analytic tool or a management tool. Like, how do we know we're doing this over time? For me, it's we want to we want to create something new. So that just this I think just this mindset of you know willingness to to be on the more generative side of things rather than on the summative side of things. And if you read Mapping Experiences, my other book that we've already mentioned here a couple of times, that it's it's kind of the same thing. Is that you know these these are tools of of creativity of generation. Um, on that side of it. So that, that's kind of the link in the mindset that, that, I, that I see um, that links the music side of me to the, the mapping and the jobs to be done side of me. So you mentioned, Jim, you mentioned your, your courses. I think we should kind of get that out as well. I mean, you're doing these untangled sessions, which are free to everybody, if I'm yeah. correct. So you can just join there once or twice um, no, a month. I don't know exactly. The, the we're, we're doing those once a month. Um, okay. They started off with kind of a webinar concept, but they've turned into what we what we're calling community calls or community mm -hmm. webinars. Um, and you know, the platform that we're using for that is Zoom, and we switched from Zoom webinar to just the regular Zoom because yeah. um, the focus is is mostly on the community. That um, recently we've been having guests, and Jan and Scott uh, have to have yeah. you as guests ne next. Jonathan have been guests. Uh, for like 20 or 15 minutes even. Uh, and, yeah. and then the rest of it is questions from the audience. And we actually have them then come on, their webcams are on and they're, and they're talking. So I think the way, the way that, and the way that we're using the platforms and, and setting that up, it's mostly conversation with people in the community. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we find that people like that. Um, and it seems to be yeah. the most valuable to, to kind of open it up that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've been doing those community calls uh, once a month usually the last Tuesday of a month at 12 noon Eastern time. And then we also have some courses that we're doing about once every other month. That's, okay. a, that's a, a training course. We're doing them across three days. It's two hours a day across three days. And we do that so that there can be self-paced learning and, and quote unquote homework in between as well too. Uh, mm. It's hard to do eight hours on a Zoom call. We do them all remote. Yeah. Uh, we, we found that if you do kind of this lunchtime kind of thing, you know, two hours a day, two hours a day, two hours a day, and then you have time to think about it and do a little bit of homework, that it's a, it's a really nice format that's kind of light for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's easy for us to, to put on. And in, that, in those courses, um, so it's six hours of coursework, and then there's some videos and, and homework outside of that. So it's probably about eight or more hours of, of content that you can consume. Mm. And um, there I go, I go through what I call the core process. So I had all the plays in my playbook, 
know, people ask me then, okay, where I can get, where, where do I get started? And the answer is where you can get started anywhere actually, but here's a core process. Here's a core process. Uh, and that's what the okay. course focuses on scoping your jobs to be done landscape. What jobs are you going to go after mm. studying them, doing the research and then create a job map. Um, so the name of the course is actually job maps from beginning to end, because what I wanted to yeah. do is give people a project that they can go from beginning to end with. And I think the first best thing you can do is create a job map. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. we talk about how do you find opportunities? And I talk about how to how to run workshops with job maps. That's one of the things we talk about in there. So there's like four or five steps that basically break up into different modules across those three sessions. But I, I basically say at the end of the course, if you want to get started in, jo in jobs to be done, do do these, these do these four steps, scope, yeah. research, create a job map and then find opportunities from it. I love yeah. the idea of start beginning with the job map, because if I'm not careful, I'll bore myself to tears with all kind of abstract language. I, but yeah. with the job map, anybody can. How do you wash your clothes? I mean, you'll have to right. coach exactly. them along the way. Oh, right. that's a solution, whatever. But in right. coaching of a job step, you're helping them to learn that, how to write a job that, statement. That, uh, that, that, that's the that, I mean, that's literally the meat of the course is how do you look? How do you listen for? Uh, how do you write job steps? Okay, now let's arrange that into a chronology. Same thing with outcomes. We get a little bit into outcomes. How do you listen for and write outcomes? And then what can you do with it? But the focus is on a job map because uh, it's something that is self-evident. It's very relatable. Uh, and that's why I like job maps yeah. as that conversation piece, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not obtuse or abstract or um, you know scientific in any way. You put it up on the board and any stakeholder can walk over to a job map and say, beginning, middle, and end. I see how that job gets done. Yeah. I love it yeah. because as jobs we've done practitioners, we, whether we ever wanted to or not yeah. find ourselves in the role of being a job of a sort of a teacher, but otherwise, because if it's this language and we were the only one who has it, we, you know, right. it's literally worthless. And so, um, we, as, as we, you sort of grow in your progression from just curious about it, learning about it, a executing it, but then very soon, I mean, you're, it's not some, it's not a solo activity at the Correct. end of the day. <laughs> So, so who 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 are the people that that, that are showing up, or that yeah. maybe even on the other question that should show up? I mean, who who, who kind of? Yeah, is this that's for? a good question. I, it reminds me of when when I was writing my book, the publisher was like, "Well, who's the audience for this?" I'm like, "Anybody? No, we can, we don't take anybody <laughs> as an answer. Right? Anybody who wants to read a book? Uh, okay, no, that's not a good answer either. Um, yeah. You know, we've been focused we've been focused on a it's more of an attitude than a role or a discipline. Mm. Uh, and we've been focused on, on uh, what we're calling change, what we call change makers. So people who oh, nice. are in situations where they want to uh, shift the conversation or nudge the strategy in a different direction, basically innovators, right? Mm. Um, which could come from any you know, traditional yeah. role type. I think because of my background and people who follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that, we do tend to get a lot of designers that come to that, uh, uh, researchers as well too. Um, but we do find a lot of uh, product managers, uh, okay. marketing yeah. folks and entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, even startup founders and things like that. Yeah. Um, and those, if I had to name like five groups, it would be designers, people in innovation, product managers, marketers, and then entrepreneurs or startup uh, folks. Yeah. But I love how you kind of describe them around the job that they want to get done. Like if they want to affect change right, exactly. within the company, then then that's kind of, that goes across, that can come from anywhere within the more right, or less yeah. anywhere. At least. Right. 
And it's the type of change too. And again, this goes back to jobs to be done as a conversation tool. It's the type of change that is much more grassroots, right? So what I don't get in my, in my webinars or courses are CEOs who yeah. could legislate a change, right? From the top down, these it's, it's pretty much change, change makers. The qualification that I didn't mention is change makers who want to have a grassroots um, um, movement inside of their organization. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a, a question because um, your background is in design and I have, I have noticed often people who come from a design background actually push back quite a bit on yeah. jobs to be done. And famously, uh, one high profile designer, Jared Spool, also wrote quite a few articles around uh, jobs to be done. Very interesting, though. I mean, it's very interesting to get that uh, perspective. But one discussion we've been having is for some people, it just clicks, right? You explain the basics of jobs to be done. They go, yeah, I, I got it. I love it. It, it makes total sense. Yeah. And others, for some reason, just really reject it. And uh, we're kind of wondering and wondering what your theory might yeah. be around what, good, you know, why question. do some people get it and others don't? Yeah, I know Jared pretty well, actually. Uh, and we even mm -hmm. did a webinar together where he interviewed me about jobs to be done because yeah. he's just kind of this big jobs to be done denier or <laughs> jobs to be done naysayer. <laughs> I don't know what, what you thought. Um, I've, I've kind of found this curve. I've been thinking about this recently, Jonathan. There's this curve. You, you guys know the Uncanny Valley? Like if something becomes more lifelike, you get to this point where if it's too lifelike, but not lifelike yeah. enough, it's weird. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there's this kind of uncanny valley. It's not really an uncanny valley, but there's this curve where you get practitioners and people. And it seems to be the more expert they get, the more they take jobs to be done until a point. And it's, mm. it's really people who are really, really, really experts in human-centered design or UX that I found that are like, yeah, this job's to be done saying it's there, it's nothing, you know, nothing to see here, folks. You know, don't don't pay, yeah. pay no attention to the man behind the curtain kind of effect. And I, and I I don't know what's going on there, but my theories are uh, somewhere between um, there's a belief that this already exists, and I've heard that many many times. Oh, this is what we that's what we're doing over there. That's goal directed design, human centered design, task analysis. Jobs to be done yeah. is nothing more than task yeah. analysis. Well, the job map, for instance, right. uh, that's, right. uh, that's often what people say. Well, job map is just uh, task yeah. analysis. Yeah. Right. However, it, so, so I can't find any example from task analysis that doesn't meant to mention a solution. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, I mean, like, okay, yeah. if this is task analysis, show me an example of task analysis where you're not talking about the task with the solution. Yeah. But there's this belief that they've, that they've already done this. So I think there's a been there, done that effect. That, yeah. that people have as well too. I th also think that there's a, um, they haven't practiced it themselves. And I'll tell you in my workshops, some of the people that get the rules of grammar wrong the quickest are designers, right? So I'll say, <laughs> listen, listen to that interview and write a job step. And guess what? They say, send email. It's like, no, you can't say email. It's, oh, that's what you mean by solution agnostic. So they've not actually practiced it themselves. So they understand the theory and they understand the theory really well and really quickly because they're so experienced. But then when they go to do it, they're like, oh, I didn't, I, that's what you meant, right? So there's, I think there's a gap in the actual application of jobs to be done because they've never done it. That, that is there as well too. Um, but I think there's a, a been there, done that. I think there's a, la a lack of ex actual experience there um, as well too. But I also don't think, uh, I think they've, they've Googled it and read one or two things and said, yeah, I got that. And they, and they kind of shoebox it. 
jobs to be yeah. done into it's switch interviews or it's it's just ODI or whatever. And they know this actually helps people with strategy work, you know, like Christensen used to do corporate strategy, but it can also have a product manager and marketing people and all the techniques in, in, the, in my book and stuff like that. And seeing it as a br much broader landscape than it actually is. I think there's a lack of awareness there, but I, ultimately I don't know, Jonathan. And I never really understood why it's so bad if something is old, to be honest. I mean, if somebody tells me, well, yeah, but that sounds like, uh, I don't know. We still quote the Ted Levitt quote, which is from the 19, what, 50s or so. I mean, that's something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. And it, which the, is the, the whole in right. the 30s. So it was like, for yeah, the 30s. Right, exactly. Even, so right. Yeah. Right. Hundred, right. But I know mind. I mean, like if, right. if, if the, the thought probably has been around. Of course. Of course. way 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 longer we could go right. deep into this i mean if you look into philosophy i'm 100 percent sure you will yeah. find the thought in there but so yeah. i've never understood why newness of something has, has I, okay. I i agree and and if you look at the the fields that they compare task analysis like yeah but that has its history and something you didn't invent that either exactly that has its history and something else but that's a, that's a little bit of a so there kind of re response to it yeah. as well too but uh, when i when i first learned about jobs we done it was very obvious to me and like we were saying before, sometimes, you know, being obvious is a good thing, right? Because yeah. you, you can then leverage it better. But the big, 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 big difference, I think, for, from, for me is, is a historical one, is the fact that jobs to be done came from the business community, yeah. right? And that helped me um, have different levels and types of conversations with my stakeholders. Again, jobs to be done as a collaboration tool, right? Because yeah. there's this there's this impression that you know design and design thinking is going to be fluff, and you know there's that team over there that has magic pixie dust that does stuff that makes a great user experience. It's not magic <laughs> pixie dust, but there's that belief over there, yeah. and then they're going to do a, a design thinking workshop, and then we're going to pull out our pipe cleaners and do something fluffy with it for a while, right? Yeah. And I could have, but there's actually meat behind what you're doing there, right? It's trying to be customer centric. I could take that same group of stakeholders and do a jobs to be done workshop with them. And it's going to have a completely different effect because yeah. of what, what jobs to be done is and has been historically. So for me, yeah. as a UX guy, I'm like, this is amazing because I need as many tools in my toolkit as possible to be able to move forward in my, why would it, okay, it's obvious. Why would I, why would I reject it? It has, yeah. it has this great history and this great power behind it. Why would I not integrate that in my tool set? And by the way, so this is kind of an experience that, so that, that we have had over the past, well, some 10 years or so. We, we started kind of at the strategy, very high up business people with jobs to be done. It immediately clicked. And more and more, we, we're kind of going into the UX. But, but it, it, what it helps them is also get a seat at the more strategic table. Yeah. So jobs to be done is something that, that can empower UX teams I, to I have a seat at the table when they're, because very often they're just, I mean, in, in brackets, but they're just researchers or, or researchers or just make something a little bit look more beautiful. But with the jobs you don't framework and the language, suddenly they sit in a boardroom. Well, not even, well, sometimes even in the boardroom, to be honest, but they sit in higher up boards Agreed. and they talk the same language and they Agreed. talk a language which is business oriented and, they, and that empowers them. So it has also this, it can have that empowering effect. I agree, agree. And that was my attraction to jobs to be done. I wanted, I wanted to see the table. I wanted to um, have more yeah. impact. I wanted the, the customer, the, you know, there's that word again, the, the human perspective <laughs> um, to, to, to have um, more, more of a piece of the pie of the decision-making um, process. Yeah. And if jobs to be done can help do that, why not embrace it? Yeah. Exactly. Is there anything that you wish jobs to be done could do better? If we were gonna 
<laughs> how could we, how could it, how could it, um, is there anything we try to do with it where it's yeah. not the right application? That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah, I still, th I still think there are problems um, to be sorted out. Uh, one, one of the, one of the stumbling blocks that I, that I perceive from a lot of questions and coaching work that I do is around, around scoping the jobs to be done landscape because they're in very, very complex B2B situations. And they're like, and then they say, and then mm -hmm. they hear things like create a job map for a job performing. They're like, I got two dozen people and there's, there's a hundred jobs yeah. that are in front of me. And they feel that jobs to be done isn't robust enough to, to, to work across very complex spaces and solutions. And I think, um, I think that some of the, one of the power of jobs to be done is that it is very focused and it does, it does kind of try to uh, cut through the noise there. Uh, but it does, does so in a way that I think people feel like they're missing a lot of things. And I've heard that a critique of jobs to be done is like, yeah, but you guys are missing all this other stuff. Um, yeah. So, so, so that's, that's one thing. And then, um, uh, you know, I also, I also think um, there, there are some, there are some other things that I think the jobs to be done field, let's just put it that way, could, could be doing better in, in terms of clarity around perspectives and things like that. I mean, that's just, nobody owns that, but I mean, that's what I was trying to do. It's just bring clarity to the field uh, mm. as well. What about like in, with the with product development, at least when you make tangible things, like you've got your base there behind you, you know, ultimately not, a product has to look like something like yes. if we, did, we just pick on, pick on your base for a second. It's a yeah. certain color. I assume a lot of the shape is functionally, but there's certainly yeah. some style aspects. How do we determine what something should look like? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean that's uh, yeah. Well, so um, back to your question, Scott, too. Um, I think tying, better tying the jobs to be done outputs or results or you know what what others will consume to to solutions and that's a big gap uh i, I you know i've experienced that before where you do a, a even a very quantitative rigorous analysis and then people go okay great what should i do because none of that's going to tell you how the base should look right i think what jobs to be done is helps you focus on uh, on a direction within that though you still need um frameworks like lean startup i'm just going to throw that out there build measure learn how do i know what it should look like um yeah. I, I need to i need to build something and go out and get feedback on that thing so there's a feedback loop on the solution side of things that you still need uh and what i'm trying to position jobs to be done is as a complementary framework right it doesn't mean you don't do design thinking or ux it doesn't mean that you don't do lean it doesn't mean that you don't do agile it can actually help those things and fuel those things because yeah. guess what if i go into an ideation session in design thinking i have a much more focused and constrained input if i'm going into some lean build measure learn validation testing i have a much more constrained hypothesis as yeah. well too yeah. my sprints can be planned better because i know what to prioritize for the next quarter Right. So it really helps these 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 disciplines that have their own deficiencies. Design thinking has a huge deficiency in what are we going to brainstorm around? I can't find anybody in the design thinking community to tell me, how do you prioritize the insight that you get out of the research? Yeah. Right. So there's this super bias of the researcher that goes into design thinking. And that's why yeah. I believe stakeholders feel it's fluffy. Mm. Yeah. Because the research because will come in and say, we're going to brainstorm guess. around this thing is like, why that thing? And jobs yeah. to be done, why that thing? Here's why, because we did the quantitative and the qualitative and we had the workshop and we did the grading exercise, Jim's grading exercise, and we did the survey. That's why you should focus on this thing. There's still no guarantee, but that's why you should focus on it. 
No, I mean, um, I totally agree with this. I think the, that the all these agile, lean approaches, iterative approaches generally, you hear a lot of people who say, okay, well, I just, I just throw something out and then I'll iterate. Yeah. But, you know, this is not how the scientific process works. And these iterative approaches want to be called scientific somehow. And this is just not how it works. You need to have a, a hypothesis. Yeah. You need to start from somewhere and you need to test it. And I think jobs to be done gives you uh, the hypothesis yeah. somehow. It'll, it'll con yeah. give you constraints on what you should be looking, looking at and looking for. And I think that's the power. I've actually heard leaders in the lean field. I was at a conference once in particular that I remember. It was a well-known name from lean. I'm not going to say who it was. <laughs> and he started his presentation with, your first step is always going to be wrong. You have no idea where to start. Just start with something. And I wanted to go, wait, we can uh, at least, we, we do have an idea on where to start. But it was literally just throw spaghetti on mm -hmm. the wall and see what sticks. That, that was his that was his the first assumption to yeah. his approach of lean yeah. and then he went into build measure learn and blah 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 it was a great presentation but yeah. i was like i disagree with your premise i believe we can get closer totally. to what you should be it's not even just having a hypothesis because i can come up with a hypothesis right now it's the 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 nature and the and the area the, the arena that your hypothesis is working within is yeah. uh more on target than it could be if you just throw spaghetti at them. Yeah. People often say you do waterfall or you do an iterative right. approach. And I think uh, there's ways to, you know, mix those two approaches together. And I think you get something much more powerful then. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it's a good thing that you mentioned the waterfall because there are also some industries, especially in medic, whatever is medical or, or, or pharma and, and so on. You, you can't go out and throw them something at patients <laughs> right. and iterate. Yeah. Right. You can't go right. to, I mean, right. you will never get approval for something. Well, I have a hunch. Let's yeah. put in a couple of millions to get FDA right. approval. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just not how that industry yeah. works. <laughs> and, 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 and you're, that's a great observation because a lot of the literature on lean startup assumes software development, which is very, yeah. very different. And very often, if you listen to their examples, it's we were a startup and we wanted to launch an app. Right. Yeah. And, and like I work with like IBM and stuff like they have like $10 million projects of data migration of one bank's data to another and stuff like that. It's like, that's not an app. You're not going to build measure learn on a $10 million <laughs> project of that yeah. scale. There's 200 people working for five years on this project. Where's the build measure learn there? You know? So yeah, yeah yes, you're right. Not everybody is creating apps as a startup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Scott, I think you wanted to. I was going to say, yeah, I'm from the tractor business. You don't build a minimum viable product of a tractor. It just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's nonsensical. Right. It's funny though. Right. I can't help but reflect the build, measure, learn. We talked about ideas based on older ideas. I mean, that's based on the PDCA cycle, sure, sure, uh, sure. which is yeah. based on who knows what, which is based on who knows what. I totally agree that, you know, yeah. it's what's the big deal about something being new. I don't, I don't, I don't know. There, there's nothing yeah. new. Yeah. There, nothing, like, under the ideas come from other ideas right right you can yeah. go we trace it back to aristotle probably or something like that you know we can i'm 100 sure. i have a philosophy I, 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 that's, that's what i will yeah i wasn't just saying me, that yeah I wasn't if you want me to that. do it i don't know if you did that intentionally <laughs> did you did did you mention his name intentionally no no i was just i was oh. just so i was just playing that out in my mind if you go back and you go back and you go back and you go <laughs> back right? you're at the aging greeks right so i'm not going to do it but you're 100 percent right who you should be tracing it back to is Aristotle. I'm not going to bore you all to death, but you should read him. You should read him about his four causes. If you do, he distinguishes four kinds of causes. 
read the Wikipedia article, you will immediately see what I mean. So Jobs done is two and a half thousand years old. Right, exactly. Anyway. Right, yeah. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. That caveman, ugh. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> Good ideas. I think I think Aristotle ripped them off. Of. Caveman jobs. Yeah, but why does that matter? It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. there's, it's not like we're the first man on the moon and you have your flag there and you yeah. reach the top of the mountain before anybody else. I, I don't care. <laughs> but I would also say there's there's something to be said about about focus because I I think even if things have been said uh, time and time again, if you have a field that says all sorts of different things and, and somehow doesn't focus and, and I, I, this is kind of my feeling with, with design somehow, everything in jobs to be done has been said in design at some point somewhere for sure. But design has said all sorts of things. And, and I, I feel that it, jobs to be done is a, a kind of a one trick pony in a way. It's, that's, that's what it does. It's the front end of innovation. It does that really well. And it doesn't try to do anything else, basically. And I, and I think that's a very important aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really laser focused, but yeah. it's, it's, so I, I just want to add a few things and then, and then ask you another, a couple of questions. So I think what, what is really true is, I mean, it doesn't solve you a lot of I mean, even the technical problems around building the solution down the road, yeah. Jobs to be done has nothing to say about that, and it shouldn't, and it shouldn't even try to do. But also, very often, I think companies are in a, or, or well, teams that are developing something are in a, are not even are not in this position of either we have an idea and we're gonna go and solutionize, or we have no clue at all and we want to know. But they're somewhere in the middle. They kind of have a general idea. They maybe even had something like a prototype, and then at one point, suddenly they become uncertain. Like they're, they're started right. to build something and then they're thinking, oh my God, are, is yeah. this, are right. we on the right track? Do we know? Right. And their jobs can really, really help you. Just get it. You don't need the, the laid out map where you need to go, but it gives you a general direction. I mean, it's uh, it's rather than uh, here agreed. and, not, and yeah. not over there. Yeah. And that can be immensely valuable. Yeah. I mean, you'll lose so much time iterating around. Uh, agree. Yeah, I like the quote from uh, Mike Tyson, the, the, bo- the famous boxer. And he used to say, uh, or he said once, uh, Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's what happens. And that's what lean is trying to pre- prevent, right? It, you know, if you go into, you have an idea of what a solution is, and then it's like, oh, that's not what we imagined. That's not what was on the napkin that we drew before. Cause it never is. There's always compromise and change that goes along the way. And then you, and then you give it to, you know, customers and users and they barf all over it. And then you're like, Ooh, Maybe we were on the right, you know, so, so our great strategy, because every, right, you, you know, you do a strategy session or ide- ideation, uh, ideation session, and you come out with a sticky note, and if we just, we're going to save the company with this, like, you really feel like that, right? But then yeah, there's yeah. all of these compromises and iterations of things that have to happen, and that idea wasn't fleshed out either, and all of those things, right? And then you get punched in the face, and you're like, oh, we need a new strategy, but it's already going. And then you get disillusionment in the team and things. That's like every project in the world because where you start is never where you end. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, how do you, how do you, how do you harmonize that beginning and end gap? That's always going to, yeah. ha- to have happened. I think jobs, we yeah. don't you need confidence. Teams need confidence as well too, that yes. they're, that they're to, to take the first step. And that's where the focus I think comes in, Jonathan right? Is that we're going into the next quarter with these sprints and these features prioritized because we believe these are going to address the, the customer solution. And then if you have to pivot, you can still orient yourself towards that and say, well, it, that didn't work, but we still, we found another, can you find another way to, to get that job done? Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it kind of, 
it's a guiding light, hopefully, that, that you know, help people in that state of disillusionment that yeah. Jan was talking about. I so agree. I so agree. <laughs> I mean, and, and no, it's, because it's really, I mean, you, you mentioned this confidence and that is so important because it, it, what also can happen is you are in a project, you get a little bit of uncertainty and then you will just start uh, running around in circles because you're uncertain. And then having the confidence to act, to taking a really a decision, okay, we move to the next step because we know the general direction is right. Yep. Their jobs can immensely, immensely help. Agree. Yeah. And, you know, being in the design role, designers are very often on the front lines in terms of that getting punched in the face. And I've seen that so many times in my career where you get handed some requirements and, hey, we're going to do this big initiative or any initiative, really. And you kind of suspect eh, it might not turn out the way that you're supposed to. And then you're on the front lines, the first person getting feedback on that thing. And you're like, yeah, I, this we did this wrong. And, and by then it's, you know, by then it's almost too late if you're a UX designer and you know that you're in the middle of a, an effort and it's wrong. Uh, so the thing that I liked about Jobs to be Done, particularly when I was in design roles, is it helped me have that conversation earlier. Right. Yeah. So that I avoided getting in that situation. So for me, jobs to be done most personally and career wise, it was something that that helped me and I was attracted to because yeah. of that effect to be able to have those types of conversations and not wait until you're six months into the project. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to I don't know if OK, I want to get back a little bit to something that, that, that I think we which was really important, but we kind of went over it because probably we're all too much into jobs beyond anyway. But you mentioned this this kind of gap between, okay, yeah, people get the quote, but then applying it themselves mm. is really is right. really then it, again it falls falls apart somehow. I think that is that is an experience a lot of of, of people make. They read, yeah. I don't know, some of the books or some of the things, and then when they actually have to sit down and make yeah. it yourself, right. that's that's when you struggle. Yeah, I, I want to kind of get a little bit into this how. What, what do you think are the most common misconceptions or the yeah. key things that they need to get right to start? So, so Yeah, so. I, th I think there's two, there's two things. One is just not using any solution-based language. And there are exceptions, by the way. So I, I say, no, you know, in my workshops and so you can't reference any solution. But I actually have been in situations where it makes sense to actually at least hint at something. Uh, maybe not directly, not like a brand name, but... You, I could I could say that in a way where there's no solution, but it's so abstract that nobody's it's not going to mean anything to anybody yeah. else. And then you allow it. But the rule there is no solutions means no solutions. And I've seen people get that wrong. And again, it's not it's not that they get it wrong because that's easy to comprehend. But then when you actually have to do it and you have to think about, well, how do I express sending an email without writing send an email? You know, and OK, that takes a little bit of practice. The other big, big, big thing that I was confused with jobs to be done around, it took me a while to figure it out, is separating the, the step, the functional job from the outcome. Yeah. Um, that there's a job step, which is yeah. separate from an outcome, right? There's the getting from point A to point B. Mm. That's the, 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 the target job and then the steps in the target job. And then there's outcomes. How, do I, how well do I measure getting that job done as an outcome? Yeah. Uh, and it took me a while to sort those things out because I was, wait, are outcomes jobs to be done because of the label jobs to be done? Because you, you call the job step a job, but you don't call the outcome a job, but it's within the jobs to be done framework. And it took me a while to figure out those are two yeah. separate things. So when I teach, I, I, I really make that point that yeah. it, it's not find airfares cheap, find cheap airfares quickly. It's find airfares and minimize the costs and reduce the time it takes me. To, those are three different things. 
find cheap yeah. airfares quickly are three separate things in jobs to be done. Right. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that out because find cheap airfares quickly sounds like a perfect goal. Right. In yeah, exactly. UX That's or how any other field talk. in, in yeah, design yeah. thinking. We want to help people find cheap airfares quickly and jobs to be done comes in there and separates it a little bit even further. And that's the thing that uh, I think unless you've experienced that with real data and trying to do that on your own, they're like, oh, jobs to be done is different because we don't do that in those other fields. Yeah. I, I often... <laughs> oh, sorry, go on, John. No, I was just going to say in, in that respect, I, I think um, Scott's book, is is really good with his idea of the perfectus. I think that really brings the point home. So I encourage everyone to uh, to look into. I think you that. should say a little bit more about that because if or, or people should just read the book. I mean, both. <laughs> <laughs> I want to respond to what Jim said first. I, I think that is a perfect example of the of a very practical usefulness in a conversation with anybody who might not understand the value of jobs to be done i already forgot your example but um find cheap airfares quickly that's the one i use i, I use that all the time find that's a very nice melody has a nice right, rhythm to it right, right. <laughs> you know when i'm when i'm working with clients i say what do you, what's the i'll just sort of begin very high level what's the goal of this project and they will say something very similar like yes. that we want the this 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 right. this and um, I uh, and so jobs we've done is I guess I'm not I'm not to steal you. you. You like seeing other people steal your slides. I might have to steal that example. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> but it perfectly illustrates how it's the language is used yes. to pull these. And if somebody's listening to this, there's a few themes. Language right. is a huge theme, totally. and getting precise with our totally. words right. so that we are communicating very clearly, right. and that we're whatever we've this information we have from our customer that we understand. And then another theme has been communicating. It's not just about gathering, but using and, and, uh, and communicating. And mm -hmm. it sounds like Jan with your spin method, you guys right. uh, go deep into that. And you've mentioned, and uh, Jim, you've mentioned quite a few times about uh, things being visual and helping yeah. communicate it visually. So I think that's a, a perfect example, but I mean, mm -hmm. the, the perfectus is almost something that doesn't exist, right? It's, it's, it's saying mm -hmm. that there's this perfect this job. Well, it came from a quote Tony Ulrich said, um, you know, the, what he's, his quote was the goal of outcome driven innovation is to help a customer to accomplish the job perfectly. Right. And you just hear somebody say something and it's just like, wow, that's so, that's such a big deal. I don't know what to do with it. I, don't, I can write it down. I can read right. it, meditate on it. Um, but, you know, it, one of the things I think that, uh, as job freedom practitioners, well, at least at least us four anyway, I think if there was something better, I think we would have gone to it by now. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> and and Jim, I think something that's really cool about the community you put together, having attended a few of the sessions, it's everybody just wants to understand it better. And there's real, there's no defensiveness about this idea or that idea. Right. It's right. very much like we just want what's there's there's something, and I don't know if. Uh, Jonathan, you asked the question, you know, what makes some folks gravitate to jobs who've done so quickly and so just sort of dismissive of it, but maybe it's just a, maybe it's just sort of luck, but it seems like the folks that really gravitate toward jobs to be done are, there's almost, I don't know if it's a personality trait, but it's like, want to improve, just want to improve and want mm -hmm. to understand this as best as they can, which is why they're not defensive, which is why they invite, hey, like, like one of the questions we asked you, Jim, was, uh, you know, what's wrong with it? How can we improve on it? Right. We sort of want to learn that answer, but um, 
once again, this isn't a great question. It's just more of an observation <laughs> I like to do sometimes. But if I, I have to say, if I go back to Tony Owick's book, 2005, what customers want, I, I mean, I have, I have tried to poke holes in that thing yeah. for 17 years. And my, what I'm, my view today is, you know, is, could be very well summarized by that, by that book from, we, we book. also talked yeah. about, um, you know, the different level of, um, of rigor for a project at the end of the day, are you better than you were before? I agree. Um, I agree. or is it, is this something useful that's helping you? That should be the real threshold, I, I not is this process I, going to, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not a jobs to be done consultant. Like I have, I literally have a day job, right. And you know, I, 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 I like to go and talk about jobs to be done and run workshops and I do a little bit of coaching and things like that, but I have no territory or trademark or brand or product or offering that I'm trying to defend. And one of my first questions when I do a little bit of coaching work, I don't do much. I don't even say consulting. It's just, I talk to people. I say, why do you need jobs to be done? So mm -hmm. Why do you think you need jobs to be done? Cause maybe that's the wrong framework for you. Yeah. So I'll even tell people don't use that. You're, you're, you're beyond it. Are you doing something different or you need something else? Um, yeah. so, uh, it can be helpful and it's out there and folks like us are attracted to it. So why not, why not, why not at least find out what, what it's all about and how it can help you if it can yeah. help you. By the way, I find you to be an excellent tool for scoping projects. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you use jobs to be done within mural? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, in several very, very light ways and very kind of in, in, in the background, it's not like we stop and we say, we're going we're gonna to do a job to be done project. Um, but my, our head of product has a nice article. It's actually a case study in my book where there was a job map and it's pretty much the same one we've had and uh, using that to prioritize the backlog. Um, which then ladders down into job stories, right? So once you, once you, it's kind of this big funnel that ladders up to the, to the, to the tart main, to the core job that, that, that aligns us here. Um, but I've also, I mean, I mentioned that, that workshop um, where I had a job map and we walked through it and I had to explain to the stakeholder, this isn't a customer journey map. It's not about coming to our product. And the, there's just the, the pause and the, oh, I've never thought about that before. And then the grading exercise. Um, so I, by the way, I've done that with the same job map with two different groups and we came out with the same spots with the same two spots where we needed oh. to prioritize. So not, not rigor, but just at more evidence that those conversations were probably, um, more than just gut reactions that, you know, were informed to some degree by our presence here in the market that we're in as well too. And recently too, not, it was not that recently, but, um, I pulled out a job map to do a brainstorming session actually. Because um, we deal a lot with collaboration and workshops and meetings. And a lot of folks are talking about hybrid collaboration, right? And hybrid work, right? Some mm -hmm. folks are in the office, some folks are remote. So I looked at one of uh, the main job map that I've been using for a while, which is essentially running a, se running a session at work, right? Collaborating at work. And there's a before, during, and after to that. And I said, and I put the lens on it and I said, okay, if these are the steps that people go through, what are the pain points that they have in a hybrid context? So instead of grading, I then put a scenario around it and said, look at that job map through the lens of hybrid and what are all the pain points? And then that became a blog post. I have a blog post out there. Of, Here are the biggest pain points in hybrid collaboration that we gathered because I had a team of like 12 people looking at all the pain points there. Yeah. Um, so I mean, very, light, very lightweight ways of using it. Yeah, but you can, all, you can immediately see the power. I mean, 
the, the way you framed it, uh, what was it to, to do a to do a, a workshop? Uh, what was the, the job that you did you mention to uh, do a session at work or to? Yeah, the, the main I mean the main you know target job that that um, that we solve here at Mural is is is, is around co collaboration, and I've framed it in different ways, like run a collaborative session with okay, a yeah, team yeah, yeah. or solve problems together as a team. Uh, and, and how that works. And, you yeah. know, it's basically going to revolve around a session of some kind. I, I'm avoiding yeah. the word meeting or workshop, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of it, I mean, there can be a pandemic happening all around it, but that thing stays the that, same. It, it stays the same. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. that's the, one of the, the yeah. beauties of, of jobs. Well, it was done. five I mean, years old. The brainstorming session that, uh, that I talked yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. I pulled it off the shelf. It was five years old. I yeah. changed some of the words only because it was taste. Like, I, I don't, why did I use that word five years ago? Yeah. Right? But I didn't, I yeah. didn't really change anything. <laughs> but I mean, the general structure that will remain. And, and, and well, will well guess same. what? Anytime you're having a meeting, you have to determine who to invite, determine when to meet, determine how you're going to meet, determine the topic that you're going to discuss. Yeah. And then you kick off the, and you have to do orientation. And then you, you get into the, and then you conclude. And then afterwards there's a follow, you know, it, that's that's what a meeting that's, is or a workshop or exactly. a session or whatever it is right it does yeah. not going to change yeah. yeah yeah what what um just people ask me the same question why did you write the book what made you just say i want to spend lots of time capturing all this down what was that <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a good question Sim similar reasons why i wrote the, the, the my previous book book on mapping experiences and i think it was that i felt i felt i had enough experience it's a practical experience i don't like writing about things that i haven't actually done mm -hmm. and i also felt i had enough um clarity in both my own understanding and some of the realizations that i came to very often by having made mistakes um that coupled with the practicing how to describe jobs to be done folks uh, i had done prior to writing the book four or five years of a workshop that i was you know trying to, to work out how do you how do you break the explanation of jobs to be done down in a way that's clear and aligns with my perspective. So I had kind of workshopped, kind of like a comedian will workshop their materials beforehand. Like I kind of workshopped what what in my mind at least what it was uh, or what a what a what a good what a clear explanation of jobs to be done might be. Right. Um, and like I said, if I went back, I'd, I'd probably make things even clearer. But um, uh, and then it was it was basically just sharing my my mistakes and my learnings with with the world. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a little bit of money and royalties, but it was also um, just at, you know after you write a book, then there's you know being on podcasts and and webinars and workshops and things like that. So I wanted to I just kind of wanted to put that stake in the ground to say here's what I've learned, here are the mistakes that I've made. Uh, don't make those same mistakes. And come join the come come join the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked the book. I think if 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 it's really something you can take off the shelf and start working more or less. Of course, you have to read through the chapters, but it's I I, I really like this emphasis on on as you say, it comes from practical experience. Right. Yeah. And if you read the book, I think that that is that is yeah. you you'll feel it. You'll see it that it is there because it's easy to write a blog post based on well, I have a general idea of what jobs are done is. And I think yeah. if you're a practitioner and you read such an abstract blog, you right. will immediately know right who has done it and who hasn't, like who ran into which problems. Right, that. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it very comes through in your in your, in your book where, where kind of what are the challenges and, and and you hint people point people to how how they can 
overcome it and how to where they can get started yeah absolutely yeah and that's what i say democratizing jobs to be done uh, uh, maybe 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 and i thought i felt you know i i I didn't want to i didn't want to dumb it down though like i didn't you know i didn't want to do a jobs to be done for dummies and stuff like and i worried about that actually i worried about you know kind of watering down jobs to be done Mm -hmm. Uh, i even said that to tony i had a had a call with him he he reviewed the book in advance uh and i thought i thought he was going to hate it because it it just waters down all that great work you know as scott pointed out you know and i was like oh he's he's just gonna hate it uh he didn't hate it i don't i actually don't know if he how much he liked it but he didn't hate it so i succeeded <laughs> in that um and, and i spoke with bob mesta about it too and lots of other folks um in the field uh and they said no 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 this is good you got something there so i, I had a little bit of that insight uh going into it yeah What's, what's the next book going to be about? Uh, I don't know. It's funny because when you write a book, then people volunteer you to write other books. But if you've ever written a book, you swear off writing books. You're like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> like pulling teeth. I don't like to write. That's the that's the weird thing. Like I'm not like it's not necessarily like fun. There's something cathartic about it, and you get your thoughts on yeah. paper, right? And it's a process. Yeah. And you're a teacher. You see, you're a natural teacher. Yeah, I think it's it's more that it's more the te- it's more the education, right? The actual write. The problem with writing a book is you have to write a book. Like you have to write. You have to sit down <laughs> and form sentences. It's not about knowledge because everybody in the world has knowledge enough in their head to write four books. But you got to have yeah. the wherewithal to sit down and every Saturday and get up. You know, I get up in the morning because that's when I write the best. I get up six, seven in the morning every day and write for a couple hours before your full day of work. Like the wherewithal to do that is, is, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. I mean, it's, it's tough to write a book. I I found, I don't know about you, Scott, but. Well, your practical experience and your, your, you really as a, um, as a natural teacher that really comes through. And so we, man, I certainly appreciate you putting it out there. It's definitely a reference. We, I just can't recommend highly enough. (laughs) Thanks for that. Can we maybe have a, a little bit of a glimpse into, I mean, we've, we've, talked about this worry of and how, how where where do you see jobs to be done going the theory yeah. itself i mean one thing is yeah this this it, it will i think it will keep spreading but where where do you see mm-hmm. it going in general um that's a good question um i mean i i i i i i think and i hope i guess i guess i hope that it will become it'll become commonplace and a default way of thinking Mm. Uh, about things Uh, to some degree design thinking has achieved that in certain fields and organizations as well too is like of course we're going to talk to our customers or you know create a persona or some kind of map like journey maps and things like that Um, and I and I hope it just becomes kind of a default um, that people internalize it and it becomes just a default way of thinking about things so you have a set of requirements before an agile sprint somebody needs to raise their hand and say yeah but what's the job to be done here Right. And my hope is that that just kind of becomes a natural instinct for folks to be asking yeah. that question, that perspective shift that they yeah. say, oh, we, we don't have any budget and no, and no resources and very tight deadline and a lot of requirements and things to work through if you're on a product team. And then somebody says, yeah, but what's the job here? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, we, let's think about that. And they naturally say, oh, yeah, we, we want to we want to get that done before we move forward. And it just yeah. becomes part of 
part of work. And I, you know, I use product teams a lot as an analogy. It could be a marketing team, could even be strategy. You know, what company are we going to acquire next? Well, I don't know. What job does that customer get? Or does that company get done? And how does that fit into the jobs that we get done? Like that's just the way that businesses think. Yeah, I think it's I I've I think I've seen it. You started it probably. I, I'm not sure, but now I've gotten attentive to it as well. You posted here and there like job announcements. So where, yeah. where a company, yeah. I think Microsoft, yeah. I don't know what the company exactly yeah. was, but in yeah. there somewhere they mentioned yeah. jobs. Yeah. 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 And, and and I think that's one of those tiny but great signs that something is it's something is happening. I agree. <laughs> like, agree. Well, and that's why that's why I did it too. So all of those people pinged me. Like I know some folks in the in the field, either through my workshops or just knowing uh, around who use jobs to be done. Yeah. Um, and what you know, a couple a couple of people who are case studies in my book. And in one case, they pinged me and they said, this job, this, this job, this description, although it didn't really say it in there, he said, we want somebody who knows a lot about jobs to be done. Do you know anybody? That, that was oh, the request. Okay. So I got pinged on LinkedIn. Do you know anybody? And I said, no, but I'll post it for you. Okay. And, okay. and then I did that again just recently. Same thing happened. Do you know anybody for this role? We want them to be very, very fluent in jobs. And I said, no, but I'll post it for you. And it started adding up in my mind. That this is a it's a future skill, I think, that that will be expected more and more from product managers, from designers, from marketing folks, even entrepreneurs. It's I think it's going to be expected that you're able to speak in that language, right? Yeah. Can, can you talk about customer journeys and personas? Can you talk about build, measure, learn? Do you understand how lean and agile work? Do you understand jobs to be done? I think if you're going into a job interview or you're creating your resume and you're not fluent in that, that ability, I think it's going to be increasingly uh, a deficiency that people yeah. are going to be expecting that. Yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope really this is something that that's going to happen and it's just become, becoming a standard like, like, yeah. and what we also need for that is kind of the more of, of university people and academia in general, they yeah. kind of pick it up. I, I've seen yeah. it here and there in some of the business schools, yeah. but honestly there, I worry about watering down, but that's <laughs> a whole, yeah. diff, whole different topic. I, I, I've had, you know, since the, you were talking about people who attend my classes, uh, there is another group of people and there have been a couple of folks from, from, uh, from academia. Who, oh, good. Uh, uh, who've who've, who've uh, latched onto my book and and you know job speed on untangled and things like that. Um, um, uh, uh, James from I forget James last name right now from uh, University of Binghamton here in, in in New York. He's he's at the job speed on untangled. I'll point him out next time. But he's been bringing it back to his innovation courses at, oh. at the university there. And then other folks from that university have pinged me. In fact, I'm doing a talk there uh, coming up soon as well too and others have been looking at it as a framework as a way to teach innovation to teach mm. human centricity and things like that um oh i mean it, it, I, the the first time i heard about jobs to be done was actually going through alex osterwalder fellow swiss person mm. uh, wrote the you know business model canvas etc and in his uh, value proposition, right. um, it's not called Canvas. What is it? It's the no, value. Anyway, it is. Value proposition. It is. Canvas, it is. Yeah. Value proposition canvas. Well, yeah. he talks about the jobs to be done. And he, he yeah. doesn't really go into it. And I was very curious and I, and I explored right. it through there. But he actually has a background in academics. I mean, right. so he... Uh, definitely, um, you know, has that background. So yeah. I don't know where he got it from, but yeah, right. definitely. I think he knows they uh, 
Tony, all we can. And, and, well, he wrote the intro uh, to Tony's last book, didn't he? He the foreword. I think he did. In, in yeah. Tony's book is from Alexander Osterwalder, I believe. Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, okay. I believe so. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, I think they know. I, I mean, they know each other. I, I've they've, I've also seen them in, right. in in other events and such. Right. He cited Tony in the business model canvas book. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, no, he did. So the, the jobs to be done, theory to practice. Tony Olwick, Alexander Osterwalder wrote the foreword. Hmm. Um, so there's a connection there. Uh, you know, I think he, you know, he he latched onto it like a lot of other folks and said, yeah, yeah, that's a thing, and then integrated into his thinking in a unique way. And that's one of the plays I have in the playbook, by the way. I talk about yeah. the, the value proposition <laughs> canvas. I got permission to reprint it and stuff like that from Strategizer, and I say. You know, the, and but if you think about it, the touch point to jobs to be done is so minimal. It's just that one little yeah. field that says jobs to be done, but that's where you start. Yeah. You know, he say, even says, you know, start over there on the right. And it's like, okay, if you can put a little bit of rigor into what you're going to put into that field, right? So you do your jobs to be done research, then you, and you prioritize either with a job map or prioritize outcome statements. Now you have, now you're not just guessing. Now you can put something in there and say, yep, we, we did the homework to be able to put that thing in that box. And then, and then you go to the pains and gains and then over to the solution side as well too. Um, so it's just this little, little touch point, but it's, it's the that's the type of thinking that I hope jobs to be done becomes that people say value proposition, part of the value proposition has to be what's the job to be done. Re sprint planning for agile, epic planning, where's the jobs to be done in there, right? Marketing campaign, where's the jobs to be done in there? And it's that type of thinking. That's why I was so attracted to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think. But then th th there is really, there is, I think, work from the jobs to be done community to be done, really to start connecting and showing how, how actually all these things connect. I think you're doing a great job at it, but I think it's, it's I mean, that, that also is something which attracted me, I think, to you and to your book, where, where you really... I mean, you are starting to build these connections and these mm -hmm. bridges to all yeah. of the other methods. And I think we shouldn't, sometimes there is a hesitancy to do this because mm -hmm. uh, we feel, I don't know, we have this beautiful thing, jobs be done and right. to ourselves and we know everything about it, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> we just open the door a little bit and start making these yeah. connections because I mean, that's how, that's how you're going to, but that's but, how you're going to implement it. Does that water it down though? Does that, is that going to water the field down so that everybody's just walking around saying jobs to be done kind of like in UX and design thinking. Everybody, everybody thinks they, they're customer centric or UX designer because they did a persona yeah. and a journey map. And then the field gets watered down. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yes and no. I think <laughs> if, if you're somebody like Jonathan who sees that, uh, I don't know, the, the third of the, of, yeah. the, of the canvas and asks himself, what the hell is this? I want to know more. <laughs> then if, I think if we, if we can incite this, we're, we're good. But I also sometimes get the reaction where when I, when I speak to somebody and I mention jobs, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing that. And what they mean is they put a sticky note somewhere. They put a sticky note in there. And, 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 they, and you know what they put in oh. there? They put in there, find cheap airfares quickly. That's what yeah. they put in there. And you're like, yeah. no, that's three different things. And you don't know if any of those are the, 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 the top unmet need but they put yeah. find cheap airfares quickly in the value proposition canvas and then go on. Is that a good thing yeah. or a bad thing if they do yeah. that? I think it's a bad thing myself, but uh, I'll, I'll just be very clear on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jan, let's, let's go yeah. around. Okay, fair enough. No, me too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends on where you stand. I mean, well, what about you, Scott? Started with it. I mean, come on. I mean, 100%. If I think that's a bad thing, you got to pull up. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I agree. I agree. I, I have we to should we should kind of 
have the door open so that that they can evolve as well and take yeah. the next step. It's well, I, it's I, I potentially set people up to do that because I show the value proposition canvas in my book. And if they don't get it or internalize the other parts of my book, they might just write find cheap airfare quickly in that value proposition canvas. So yeah. now I'm guilty. And you guys agree with me that it's a bad thing. Yeah. No, I mean, but I, I think for me, we were talking about this before. I, I, I think definitions, and I've gotten tons of pushback on this, but I think definitions are, are important, especially when we're talking about um, concepts that are already, you know, no one really has a very good grasp on, like, what is a need? What is a, you know, a, a goal? What is, a, you know, wants? People talk about wants also. I mean, all these things are very fuzzy concepts. And I think, is the more we can get agreement on what these things are, I mean, uh, the, the, the better it is. And, and that was one of the things that really attracted me from the very start of uh, uh, Tony Olwick's book when he says, basically, there's no consensus on what a need is. And I, I was like, that's it's exactly what yeah. <laughs> I have noticed. Yeah. I, and it drove me nuts. And I was like, oh, finally, someone's actually acknowledging this yeah. problem because no one was even acknowledging mm. the problem. And, and that's where I personally, one of the stages where I got really hooked on it, I thought, okay, with, I'm, I'm with the people that are, we, we all kind of understand each other here. So yeah. um, th that's my kind of uh, pet peeve is, is, is these, yeah. when people have, you know, talk past each other because they just don't have the same definitions of things. Right. Agreed. Yeah. But it's not pure. I mean, one part, yes, is the definitions. But I think it's also. I mean, it is beautiful example of uh, you can say it better the the cheap fast uh, find, tickets. Find cheap airfares quickly. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I have to kind of internalize this. <laughs> I mean, the, the the beauty of clear definitions is that it's. I mean, it's not about the purity of the definition, but it's about now we all speak about the same thing and right. we know what we actually have to improve upon. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you have that whole sentence with, and then there's seven criteria in there mm -hmm. and we all agree, right. okay, this is a big need in the market. Okay, right. Still, you don't know what you, you got, still what don't have know. to That's do. Right. Which That's of right. the seven things are there? Which, I mean, and, and everybody will have an opinion which of the seven right. things right. matter. So that's, the, I mean, the, the, that's, that's, the beauty and, 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 and the power of having clarity. I agree. Really having this. Well, that, that's where the focus comes right? I think the focus. That's where the focus comes in. The yeah. focus comes from the precision. Mm -hmm. that, that's what yeah. jobs to be done always provided for me was more precision than yeah. other fields in, yeah. in sorting out, find cheap airfares quickly. Because, well, yeah. how do you know it's cheap? How do you know it's quick? How do you know that? Why are you placing that in that sentence? Because by doing that, you're placing your bet on those things, but you've missed the 50 other things that, uh, yeah. The customers might really be prioritized, and what 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 comes before and after finding airfares and all those other questions. It allows yeah. you to be a lot more precise rather than just walking to a brainstorming session and say, "How might we help people find then, cheap airfares quickly?" Yeah. And then the, and then the ideas go like this, you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> and, and that's a beautiful to, thing. Okay, oh, sorry, go on, Jonathan. Yeah. No, just to bounce off what you were saying before uh, uh, early in the discussion, Jim. You you were saying that uh, at the beginning you have found it difficult also to separate what was an outcome and what was a job and i think actually to go back a bit on and or specify a bit what i said i think beyond just having very good definitions because i think actually sometimes some of these things you just cannot define very well but at least parsing the yeah. things correctly you know, I mean, this comes from uh, computer science, this idea of distinguishing what are things of different kind. Correct. So in your sentence, you're talking about, okay, this is something that's 
you can call it a job. It's it's of different nature uh, to this other thing. It, yeah. In the end, it doesn't even really matter if you have a very good definition, but to be able to at least say these two things are not of the same kind. And, I, and, and why, I think that why they're really... different. Yeah, what the differences yeah. are. Right, yeah, yeah agree. Yeah, yeah. Agree. Yeah. And there was this, this aspect that you mentioned because it... it taking that whole big problem that nobody really clearly has an understanding about and then going on creating ideas that's i'm sorry to say but that's easy and comes very cheap yeah. create having a lot of ideas you can yeah. do you can sit down do a you workshop wanna, i got ideas you want ideas ideas is not ideas the, issue. Right here. <laughs> the problem is not creating easy. ideas <laughs> yeah yeah and ideas so have I, no value either. Ideas, ideas don't have a value. I I think I, it was last week or so. I I, I read this mapping experience, and you use pretty harsh language there, where you really say, yeah. "Okay, an idea, nice, but who cares?" Ideas like, are overrated. <laughs> yeah, I, I have this article overrated. out there called "Ideas Are Overrated." Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm in the idea business actually, and uh, you know, I've I've run lots of workshops where part of the goal was to to come up with ideas. So. Uh, I'm guilty of doing that in the past. That's why I know that, you know, generating ideas are easy. I can get a group of people and I'll give you 150 ideas from that group. Yeah. I know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, are, are they focused on the right thing that they should focus on? Yeah. Right? I don't know. How do, what's, the, what are, what's the rationale by which you prioritize those ideas? I don't know. You know, well, with jobs to be done, I can tell you how, I, how you do yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Uh, is the input, uh, you know, an unmet need? And then when you're evaluating them, how well do they stack up against the the, the jobs, the unmet needs and things like that? Um, otherwise, otherwise, it's, it's you know, fuzzy, fuzzy input and even fuzzier, you know, it's fuzzy, fuzzy input squared is just yeah. an even fuzzier output, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's an fuzzy input squared. Yeah. Fuzzy output squared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuzzy output squared. This has been a lot of fun. Probably try time to yeah, yeah we, so we fill that up pretty good. All right. Thank you, Jim, for the great conversation. Um, if people want to know more, where can they find more about you and your work and how can they reach you? Yeah, I think one of the best things to do is head on over to the jobs to be done toolkit, jtbdtoolkit.com. And we have some live events there. Uh, jobs to be done untangled is a community call. You can jump right on in and join the conversation. Uh, but you can also follow me on Twitter at Jim Callback. Um, but reach out on LinkedIn. I like to connect with people on LinkedIn as well, too. You can find my LinkedIn profile and send me an invite. Great. There's one last question, which, which Scott kind of started asking everybody, and, and you have to do so, too. In, uh, so, you, you know, on the Google page, they always have kind of a daily thing where some artists can showcase somebody something or, or write something. If, if I would give you this, this space for one day, like what would you write in there? So what would you write so that everybody everybody sees and knows whoever is at Google? Oh, I'm stumped. <laughs> I probably write find cheap airfares quickly. Oh, that's that. <laughs> Very nice. Well, that concludes today's Product Quest podcast. Please send any comments or ideas for future shows to productquestpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.